All right, welcome back to the big program. Ooh, solid tune to get us going in the 10 o'clock hour. And, uh, man, we just went a little long with Laddie. A lot of texts coming in, one 1440 about the taco in the bag. Oh, boy. Steve from Drumheller. Bah, ha, ha, ha. Who would take a date for a taco in a bag? It's like eating anything. Uh, the hot dog is all messy and the wrapper, too. Duke, I think we said we'll take a, anyone on a date for taco in a bag. Nice cheap date too. Oh, oh man, if like if you're out it, um, I, I I just said this to you in the in the break. They're like, I don't know if they serve taco in a bag at Bears games because I don't go to the food no. line. I only go to nope. the beer line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, if they did, like think about it. you take a, a fine young gal down to the Bears game, take in some tremendous U Sports hockey, three all stars on the team this year, and you just like, oh yeah, here I'll, I'll go grab a couple beers, swing by the concession, two taco in a bags, like. You use a fork. I, I I don't get where Laddie's coming from because it's it is the opposite of messy. You do not have to use your hands for anything. It's not like it's in a napkin. It's not in a, a tin foil wrapper where even the ketchup could squirt out the bottom like in a mm-hmm. hot dog or something. It is all encapsulated. How's this, Duke? Date night taco in a bag, but you buy the big bag. And you get two forks. Then you share. And you share, just like the two <laughs> sitting, dogs. Sitting across the, your lap. Yeah, just like the two dogs eating spaghetti, you know, at the very oh end. Hey, oh, yeah, that's what you want, Duke. Oh, man. I uh, do make, and I mean, once again, you could just call it taco salad at this point, but I don't like to use, um, like, traditional tortilla chips. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm making taco salad at home, usually the day after I make tacos, leftover hamburger, yeah. lettuce, whatever, then I just throw it all in a bowl. But I still like to use the, Doritos. The Doritos, yeah. Sweet chili heat Doritos for I, uh, for my taco salad slash taco out of the bag. I, I'm on the same page with you there. Like, would you go the other way with just the real, like the taco shells? Like, is that what people do? I mean, I don't. Well, when you get taco salad in a red, because they, they don't even give you, like, not even tortilla chips. Usually it's like the, those ribbons, which I think yeah, is something yeah, you yeah, buy. Yeah, they're yeah. the same thing, just uh, form differently, I guess, but... Yeah, I don't know. I like the uh, the little bit extra pizzazz that, say, a, a Dorito or a Nacho Ariba <laughs> chip or whatever gives you. So Sorry, we never got to... Oh, the hammer finally comes in. Oh, he comes Dude, in after, after Laddie Laddie, Yeah, Laddie's gone, so the hammer can come at him. Uh, Laddie thinks taco in a bag is disgusting, and he probably licks his fingers while eating his chips. Yeah, like he was talking about he's like eats his chips with his hands. Uh-huh. As, I mean, is that... I think Everyone the only, licks only their way fingers. To, only way to eat them. Uh-huh. And I, I think that's where the hammer's saying. It's like, yeah, everybody does that. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But Laddie's kind of calling us out, saying that that's gross. Eating something with a fork is more gross uh-huh. than eating it with your fingers. Yeah, I, I can get if Laddie just like doesn't... isn't enticed by the idea... But the fact he's never even tried it, mm-hmm. the fact that he thinks it's like messy to eat, and he's just way off base. <laughs> he's he is out to lunch, no pun intended. Out to lunch, poor laddie. <laughs> uh, a real text coming in about uh, from Saint Albert, Kevin. What are your thoughts on Connor Brown? Is he more effective than Pulio Yarvi? And is he finding his game? I'm actually quite surprised we haven't had more comparisons. Between the two, Connor Brown yet to find the net in the early going, well, a quarter away the season, but he's missed some games. Now, yesterday in the third period, Connor Brown had one opportunity to score early. Then he had a really, really good look uh, later uh, in the period. Uh, Vander Kane had two cracks at it. Uh, Auntie Ranta made a couple of saves. Uh, Brown... 
just elevated it. And I think, you know, the puck was on its side, sort of, but he sort of just shoveled it, had the top corner. It, was, it wasn't an easy attempt, but ripped one out. Not a ripper, but it just hit the crossbar. Uh, it would have been nice to for that one to go in for Connor Brown to kind of get off the schneid. But those comparisons, I'm surprised we're not getting more of them because there were a lot of people that, for some reason, uh, liked certain parts of Puliyarvi's game. So, uh, I without without question, I am way more on board with Connor Brown than yes, a Puliyarvi. I was never a Puliyarvi fan at all from day one, and but I think Connor Brown has the ability here. And again, they're, they're, what they signed Connor Brown to is not right now. If he can get things going here in the next 20-game segment and keep building on that as the Oilers press for playoff positioning and then hopefully have a decent playoff run, that's what they got Connor Brown for. And you know what's funny, Duke? Go back to the very beginning of the year at training camp. What was the argument with uh, Spec? Not an argument. It was a perspective. And I was saying, well, so Connor Brown, what did I say? He's going to ease him in. It was about what? him at training, at training camp, camp and being on the ice yeah. about, and it was with Laddie, <laughs> Laddie on that day. about how, and, Well, yeah, yeah Laddie yeah. Speck saying, um, you asked him, like, is he actually doing anything? Or is he just putting his skates on to go, like, stand out there and be and stand out the words? And Speck and Laddie just lambasted you saying, like, if he's yeah. putting his gear on, he's He's playing. He's doing the drills. He's doing everything. He's not just putting it on for the love of the game. Uh, and that made for a pretty uh, good laugh. And obviously, it was just a misunderstanding about how uh, yeah. how you phrased it. But here's my question for you, Kevin, about Connor Brown. You keep saying, and I, I get where you're coming from, saying this is not what they brought him in for. This is not what they gave him this bonus money for. It's to be here come crunch time at the end of the mm-hmm. season uh, when jockeying for playoff position and, more importantly, in the playoffs. But... When does the leash run out of it's, length in terms of, like, can can you really justify him playing on a nightly basis over these other guys that are, yes, more suited to bottom six roles where Connor Brown does have middle six, uh, top six upside? But, like, when does the leash run out where, like, we have to, like, play Warren Fogle in the top six and scratch Connor mm-hmm. Brown and play James Hamlin on the fourth line or something instead? Or move more. I, I, I totally understand it, Duke, and I would say this the runway's getting shorter. Mm-hmm. So the runway's getting shorter. The thing is, when you win 6-1 and you're on a five-game winning streak, you don't look at all that other stuff as much as just pretend it was five losses in a row here. Connor Brown wouldn't be in the lineup probably. Who knows? I don't know. But everything's going well right now, and Connor Brown, again, had a couple cracks. That was the only thing about the game last night where – on an Oilers standpoint, on a total positivity positivity note, that you would go, man, if Connor Brown could have scored in the third period there, that's a perfect game. Look at the game against Winnipeg. Ryan McLeod gets off the schneid, and this is, uh, I think Specs mentioned it. Um, this is what Tamo Solani used to say uh, when he was kind of uh, still in the heyday of saying, like, scoring is sometimes like a ketchup bottle, like one of those mm-hmm. old glass ones. You just got to give it a couple whacks, and once it comes out, it'll start coming. And Ryan McLeod scores... 14 seconds into the game uh, yeah. the other or last night pardon me 28 yep Af- after he gets the the empty netter to just kind of get off the schneid and wow. so it it's obviously asking a lot to uh, ex- or hope for Connor Brown to get say an empty net goal just to get the monkey yeah. off his back or something but yeah he had some chances late in the game last night that would have been great to see like you said probably the only 
And it's not even a knock because it didn't impact the way the game went, but that would have been probably the the extra cherry on top mm-hmm. of what was already a great night for the whole Oilers team. So, uh, Pillman says, where is the Bison King now on the subject of uh, Yessa Pugliarvi? Well, he was not qualified from Carolina last year after the trade. That would have been in the three million range, something like that. Had hip surgery, I believe, and then he's skating now in Finland, eyeing a return to the NHL. Does anyone want to take a, a stab at him? Who knows? Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk some Thursday night football with Will Graves from the Associated Press as the Steelers and Patriots are set to battle tonight. It's going to be a dandy. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show right after the break on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, time to talk a little Thursday night football with Will Graves from the Associated Press, covers the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Will, welcome to Sports 1440. Good morning. Hey, guys. Thanks for coming on uh, today. Just uh, touch on how the Steelers will be looking to rebound after a game that they thought that they should have won and probably felt that they really needed in the standings after coming off that 24-10 loss to Arizona. Yeah, they certainly let one get away on Sunday, although I'm not as panicky as everybody else seems to be. I mean, the Cardinals did beat the Cowboys back in like week three, by two touchdowns with Josh Dobbs, at quarterback, right? So the Cardinals are not totally derelict of talent. I mean, what is troubling is you heard guys like Deontay Johnson and Jalen Warren said, yeah, maybe we took them a little lightly because of their record. And I'm like, have y'all watched the film of the way that you play games, right? Like yeah. they're, you know, they, they are not a team. The Steelers are not good enough. You know, the games they win are, you know, down to the last 30 seconds, you know, 3.6 point, 8 point games. Like, there's no reason. Mm-hmm. They had no right to think, oh, well, we're just going to roll over these guys. So, uh, you know, they sort of got a freebie because some of the teams that were chasing them and the wild card standings also lost. So they didn't, it didn't really hamper their playoff prospects, but they cannot afford to lose to a two win team at home for a yeah. second time in five days. Yeah, Will, how much did the weather come into factor last week with the flow, momentum, things like that? Uh, not really. I mean, like the first delay was coming out of halftime. So, you know, so there, it wasn't like they got back on the field and then had to stop. They, the second time they did. The second time, and it was it was oddly timed. Like they, the first delay was about half, they extended half the time by about half an hour. They come out on the field, they warm up. Steelers stop the Cardinals. Steelers get the ball. Obviously, Mitch Trubisky's in the game. And Kenny Pickett got injured late in the first half. And there's a fumble. Cardinals recover. At about the 20, they go in, the end zone in about six, seven plays, and then like right when they kick the extra point, the skies open up again, and then they had to stop for another close to an hour. I think that one was probably more like, uh-oh, <laughs> if, you're the, if you're the Steelers, while the Cardinals said they had a dance-off, you know? So I, it kind of tells you the difference in the, in the vibes there. I don't think, you know, the, the issue was just the Steelers' offense regressed and looked very much like it did, you know, when Matt Canada was – uh, calling the plays yeah. like that's that was the reality the weather had nothing to do with it all the progress that all the good vibes they felt they built that first week after Canada's firing in Cincinnati when they had 400 plus yards like it all vanished and it was sort of a, a back to a, a regression to the mean for them mm-hmm. Will Graves from the uh, AP covers the Pittsburgh Steelers our guest on sports 1440 so can he pick it out Mitch Trubisky in the start tonight what do you uh, expect to see from this quarterback well, Mitch, you know, like Kenny Pickett has been probably too cautious, right? I think he has been told 
had it beat into his head from the second that he took over the starting job from Trubisky a month into last season. Don't lose the game for us. We'll let the defense win it. And so he doesn't take risks. And because of that, he doesn't really throw interceptions. I think he had 240-plus uh, attempts without a pick, which was the longest streak in the league this season before he got hurt. Um, Trubisky does not, <laughs> is sort of the opposite. He is unafraid to take risks, sometimes to his benefit and oftentimes to his detriment. I mean, there was he came in for pickets against Jacksonville about six weeks ago. Uh, you know, seven-point game, fourth quarter, and he decides, you know, they have the ball, nine minutes left. He decides he's going to throw uh, a 40-yard bomb up the seam to Allen Robinson. There's, like, three things wrong with that sentence, okay? And, like, <laughs> one of them is, you know, like, it's, it's, it's down the seam to Allen Robinson, who is a good possession receiver at this point in his career, but is not a field stretcher. Yeah. And then when you watch the replay – there was one guy in black and gold and three guys in white when he threw the ball. And one of the guys in white caught the ball and it effectively ended the game. Um, you know, there was a play last week when he came in and, you know, when they still sort of had a chance where he tried to find Connor Hayward down the seam and it was like an impossible throw. Like it was literally in a bucket between three guys right at the goal line. I think Hayward was surprised the ball got to him. He dived and the ball glanced off his hands. And, and fell incomplete, and then he missed a field goal the next thing on the next snap, and the game was effectively over. Mm-hmm. Um, he also had a couple of throws into double coverage that were incomplete that probably should have been picked. So there's going to be a little more swashbuckling because if you're Mitch Trubisky, what do you have to lose? You know, you're a number, former number two overall pick in the draft. You sort of had a very uneven tenure in Chicago. You spent a year as Josh Allen's backup. You signed with the Steelers thinking, hey, I'm going to get to be the starter, and then they draft Kenny Pickett like six weeks later. Uh, they have a, you know, sort of a competition, but all they were doing was just grooming Kenny until he was ready, and that lasted about a month. And now Mitch, you know, this is, to, to me, and I wrote about this this week, this is his last chance to sort of prove that he can be an NFL starting quarterback, mm-hmm. um, you know, these next three, four games. I really think it's that vital to his career because the Steelers do have weapons, and, you know, if he can get them the ball and be productive, I think it could, you know – reflects well on him down the road. But if he, you know, looks sort of the way that he looked in the first month of last year where he was just tentative, had accuracy issues, he throws a lot of stuff off his back mm-hmm. foot, which is uh, I'm sure Chicago tried to kind of beat that out of him, and they, and they couldn't. It's just a mechanics issue sometimes. I mean, there will be no rush. It's not like he's trying to skip the rush. He will just sit there and try to just fling it off his back foot and, you know, accuracy or inaccuracy follows. So, um, you know, I would expect him to, to test the Patriots tonight, but I mean, look, you know, I'm doing something with <laughs> fantasy sports radio later. If you have fantasy players in this game, I am sorry for your season. I, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that it's come to this, guys. Isn't that like, for truth? real? It is. It is going to be. Uh, it is going to be brutal. It is going to be ten to six. Um, you know, probably the one who makes a fewer turnovers probably wins the game. You know, I'm going to throw this one at you as we were speaking with Will uh, Graves from the AP Covers the Steelers. We do a little segment called Are You In or Are You Out? And one of the questions was, uh, will Saturday's Army-Navy game have more points than tonight's Steelers-Patriots game? That's how bad Oh, yeah, oh, definitely in. <laughs> definitely in. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, no offense to our armed forces, I did see... You know, SMU put up, what, 55 on Navy in about 20 minutes. So, um, and look, I'm from Maryland. I grew up 30 minutes from Annapolis. Oh, I had yeah. friends who went to the academy. Love, love, love that game. Love, love everything it stands for. But the defense is, you know, 
going to be more uh, up and down, certainly, in that game than you're going to see tonight. Oh, uh, no kidding. Uh, Will, what do you make of the uh, Steelers' backfield? I mean, Najee Harris, obviously high draft pick, uh, comes out and says some things after right before Matt Canada uh, was fired. Jalen uh, Warren comes out with a, a couple of big games. Where are they with these two backs uh, in Pittsburgh? It's sort of, you know, like there's this whole ongoing debate, right, about the value of a running back. And the Steelers, like, are literally the perfect example of maybe you should not spend a ton of money on your running backs. Uh, you know, Jalen Warren, an undrafted rookie free agent you know, who made the team coming out of camp in 2022, has been just as productive as, as Najee, who, you know, was a what first-round pick, 20th overall in, in 2021. So, um it's they they, they complement each other. They have little bit different running styles. And this is look. I'm not saying that Najee is a bad running back because he's not. But Jalen is just as productive. Like that's that's just the reality of it. That's the way that it's become. And I think they've got done a pretty good job of figuring out when to deploy them. I think they have. I think especially last month or so, they've got 850 plus yards in their last five games. That hasn't happened, you know, in Pittsburgh since Mike Tomlin's first year back in. 2007 when they had Willie Parker back there. So, you know, they, and they've had good running backs. I mean, Le'Veon Bell was an all pro, right? So like they have figured out how to use these guys effectively. Um, they seem to get along, but we'll see. I mean, Najee's, you know, the Steelers have to decide in the off season whether to pick up his fifth year option. I imagine they will, but then it might turn into a very much a, you know, in two years from now, Le'Veon Bell situation where he, he thinks his value is X. The Steelers think his value is Y and he walks or they, there's, you know, he's, he's not a franchise tag level running back. That's for sure. At least at this point in his career. Now when you've got Jalen Warren there, who is a little more explosive, a little more North South takes less time to get going. I mean, Najee has had seven runs at 20 plus yards this year, which is by far the most he's had in a single season yeah. since he started. But there's just as many runs where, especially in part, this part, this is not his fault. I mean, he's not an outside zone guy. He's not a guy that needs to run to the numbers and, and get to the corner. That's not his. That's not where his strength is. He's a strong dude. He needs to run straight ahead and run people over. And it's weird the way they call the game sometimes because it doesn't seem to maximize his skill set. Mm-hmm. But Jalen Warren, I mean, look, you're, you make the league as a UDFA, like you have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. And he has just, you know, has been every time he touches the ball, good things seem to happen. And for an offense where good things don't seem to happen that often, that's a very important trait. Will Gray is with us on Sports 1440, covers the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers for the uh, Associated Press. Uh, what's it like for you, Will, covering, watching a guy like uh, T.J. Watt on a daily basis to see how uh, impressive uh, and what he does just uh, on a daily basis, game to game in Pittsburgh? It's, you know, the consistency of it is startling. I think... You know, he won the Defensive Player of the Year in 2021. You know, he's tied the NFL record for sacks in the season. In a way, I think this season has been more impressive. Hmm. Uh, he's dropped back into coverage more. He's a more well-rounded linebacker than he used to be. But every game, every single game, there is a play or two or three that alters the trajectory of the game. And, like, the other – I mean, like, teams are game-planning to him specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they, they devote an inordinate amount of time to finding 90 and doing what they can to block him, and it doesn't seem to work. Now, he's obviously getting a little frustrated, vented after the loss on Sunday. He thinks the NFL is out to get him. Basically saying, I'm getting held every play. Could you guys please call it? 
you know, the problem is like you, the officials aren't going to call holding every play, yeah. right? So you have to pick the most egregious ones to flag. That's just the way that it's been. And what's interesting is that, you know, Mike Tomlin was asked about it, and he said, I'm sure TJ feels a certain way, but he stopped short of saying that TJ was right. And the reason he stopped short of saying TJ was right because Mike Tomlin also has two, a left tackle and a right tackle that have trouble with elite edge rushers, and they hold the stuffing out of those guys, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So, you know, like it's a, it kind of it goes both ways. But TJ is, you know, in the prime of his career, he's certainly on a Hall of Fame trajectory, and, you know, his motor is relentless. He's hyper-intelligent. His football IQ is off the charts. Um, it is, you know, I was here for my start to cover the team maybe on the back half of uh, James Harrison's career, Troy Polamalu's career. And so I missed like the height of their, of their primes, but man, TJ is, uh, he's something to watch. And it's just like, like I said, like, it's not like he gets like five, four sacks one game and then he doesn't get another sack for three Mm -hmm. weeks every single week. I think he's got at least a half a sack in, what, 11 to 12 games this year? Just, I mean, that's, yeah. just, that, that, that's remarkable. Yeah, just so consistent. Uh, uh, Will Graves uh, from the AP covers the Pittsburgh Steelers, and even though Carolina has one fewer victory than New England, did you ever think in all your years covering this league that you could say that the worst team in the league after 13, 14 weeks coming in to Pittsburgh – is going to be the New England Patriots at two and ten. I think they're worse than than Carolina right now. C- can you believe this? Well, certainly, offens- yeah, certainly offensively, you yeah. could make that argument. I think, you know, I people are now starting to call you know Belichick a product of Brady. I always think back to that two thousand was it eight or nine season where he got hurt in week one. And Matt, they they won eleven games with Matt Castle at quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Which got Matt Castle paid uh, in short order. So I, I don't think it's entirely, um, you know, I don't think Bill's just uh, the product of, of Tom Brady, but it is. He certainly made you know, look. He's, the, he's basically the general manager too, right? So he picks the groceries and he cooks the meal. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious that he's missed more often with the groceries than he's hit the last four or five years, especially on offense. You know, they came in here, you know, Matt Jones had a really good rookie season, and then he came in here last year, week two, and they won a 17-14 game, and it was very much a Bill Belichick-type, you know, game where they got the ball back with six minutes left and just shoved it down the Steelers' throat and, and won the game. And I thought, well, this is just the way it's going to be. And obviously, over the last season and a half, it has not really worked out that way for them. Um, it is remarkable. Um, he seems sort of checked out, which yeah, is yeah. – or resigned would be the best way to describe it. Sort of, you know, the, the roster is what it is. Um, but, you know, the, the expiration date is on. Mm-hmm. Every coach has one, even if it's just in this particular situation. It certainly seems like, you know, it's hard to imagine a 70, you know, 70, 71-year-old coach sticking around long enough to get this mess back to being with, uh, you're not just competitive, but elite. It seems mm-hmm. like really hard to fathom. So I would imagine that, you know, we are pretty much close to the end days for him. Yeah, uh, At least in New England. I, I think so, too. We were touching on that earlier. Uh, Will, uh, you know, thanks for this. And one, you did mention fantasy. I am forced to throw in Pat Firemuth tonight. Uh, that's about the only guy. That, I, I, I don't I, think, I think that, you know, I think that, you know, I think Belichick's going to try to take away the middle of the field, but I can see Mitch definitely trying to find 88 um, 
And, you know, I will say this, it's, it's probably likely the Steelers score a little bit more than the Penguins are these days, especially <laughs> on the power on, play. On the power play. I don't, I don't know if that's come up, but that is, there is a scoring, lack of scoring epidemic in this city. And it is, uh, it's threatening to ruin Christmas for a lot of people. So, uh, you know, hopefully um, I can stay awake long enough to get my uh, gamer in and get to the locker room and, and, and make it to two o'clock in the morning. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be, I think Firemuth will get some looks. But, you know, that game he had in Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago, yeah. like that was probably the high point of his season in terms mm-hmm. of what you're going to get from him. Yeah, Penguins 0 for 34, Will, uh, on the power play in their last, uh, whatever, games, 1 for 40. Go on. That's a- it's, it's um, you know, like you see all these, I mean, it's crazy that, like, be selfish. Like, it's crazy. They're, like, this, they're, they're almost cursed with politeness. You shoot it. No, you shoot it. No, you shoot it. And I'm like, good Lord. And they miss a net front. I mean, they miss, you know, since really since Patrick Hornquist left, like they have not had somebody that can perch in front of the net on the power play and jam home greasy goals, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a thing. Poor Jake Gensel the other night against the Flyers, you know, they Carlson and, uh, and Malkin spent 30 seconds passing it back and forth. And Jake Gensel, who's five foot ten and 175 pounds, was just getting killed <laughs> out in front this whole time. And I'm like, I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's. Uh, I think you know. I'm happy to talk to you guys about this yeah. team at some point. Uh, once we get past football season, but certainly, I think the the optimism that you know Kyle Dubas created by making some really creative moves to his credit, um, you know, unloading some contracts that people thought were unloadable, uh, and bringing in Carlson mm-hmm. certainly made that he's making the best of what he can. But it, it just looks like these guys are, you know, uh, Crosby's still a great player, Malkin a great player, most nights Latang. Uh, his conditioning is ridiculous, but it is the, the sum of the parts is still not what this team is used to, and um, I think they're going to be scrambling and cut, you know, scratching and clawing to get that that eighth wild card, that second wild card spot. That's probably their 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 the, the top mm-hmm. end for them this year, which is going to lead to a very very uncomfortable summer. So, Will, do you think when they brought Carlson and they had Latang, you know, obviously the core with uh, you know Gino and, and Sid for all these years, was that the right move, or do you feel that there was uh, not, a rift is the wrong word because that's not what I'm trying to get at here. But I mean, they already had their guy on the power play in Latang and and things like that. Well, I mean, they needed to get rid. You know, they need to get rid. Like Jeff Petrie just wasn't a good fit, right? So they, uh, you know, they they, flipped, they shipped him out. They got rid of Michael Granlin, which again, like Ron Hextall mm-hmm. had a very very rocky, not very productive uh, tenure here. And I think that you know Kyle's trying to get him out of it. Certainly, I mean, Carlson's an upgrade, but I think the bottom six is still not great outside of Lars Eller, who got bumped up to the second line last night because of injuries. Uh, you know, Brian Rust went out last night. Mm-hmm. Ricard Raquel's been out for, you know, and will be out and doesn't have a goal this season yet, and we're 25 games in. Yeah. And that's a guy they signed to a, like a six-year deal after his first uh, after they acquired him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a very bizarre um, – it, it, like, they're talented, but it's just – there's something missing, and when you see them play like the league's elite teams, like they're the idea, in my opinion, the idea that they can close the gap between themselves and the Bostons. And I know Tampa had a rough go of it the last couple of weeks, but certainly outclassed them last night. They had trouble with the Flyers in a home and home, you know, over the weekend. And the idea that like Sid and Gino and Latang, all guys in their late 30s, are going to somehow, you know, it's so taxing to get, like, they, yeah. they are still so reliant on those three guys to make it happen. It is. It's hard to imagine them being able to endure 82 games 
and getting them to an elite level by middle of April. It's just yeah. really, really tough. And then, um, I, it, but this is like this is the bet they made, right? They chose yeah. to keep the core together, and the core isn't the problem. Like to be fair, like the core is not the problem. The problem is they have not been able to surround them with the complementary type players that they had, you know, in that run in sixteen and seventeen. You know, there is no Trevor Daly, there is no Nick Benino, there is no, you know, Carl Hagelin. There just there just isn't. Yeah. You know, I mean, Jeff Carter's still playing, and he, he's not doing much, but he's out there in the third or fourth line every night and sort of emblematic of and, and the guys they brought in have just not made an impact. So they're basically in the same spot they were last year, except they got Eric Carlson, who, you know, I think is, is a remarkably talented player, but um, just very mm-hmm. erra- erratic uh, would be the best way to describe his first, uh, you know, two months on the job here in Pittsburgh. Oh. Hey, totally uh, fired up to have you talk a little hockey too as well. Maybe we'll uh, touch on that in the new year with you as well. Uh, we'll appreciate sure. your time and uh, hey, enjoy that uh, blockbuster game tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the, I will say that the, the end zones are painted yellow. It's sort of a throwback thing that seemed to the way that it was at Three River Stadium. <laughs> oh no! So that, at least maybe the brightness of the yellow will keep my eyes up well and not only that if they painted them yellow they might not get any paint on the shoes or jerseys because no one will be in there exactly it'll be like (laughs) at the golf course you know when you get up to the green and it says cart pass and it points to the sideline points you know that's what it's going to say it's going to say get your butt on the cart path run out of bounds of the three kick the field goal that's what we do here exactly uh thanks for your time appreciate it uh take care will thanks all right take care bye that's will graves uh covers the pittsburgh steelers for the associated Press, uh, so you think the over-under will be way under 30 tonight, Duke? You're thinking like a 10-7 game, 10-6 game, 13-7, 13-10? Yeah, I don't know. Like, not way under because obviously that is such a low total. Oh, like, as right. soon as one team gets a touchdown, all of a sudden it kind of puts it in danger because I think there will be a, a fair share of field goals um, if teams can even get over, you know, the 50-yard line yeah. uh, moving the offense. So, yeah, you know, my final prediction is going to be a – 13-10. Which I, might be ambitious because that is uh, kind of under the assumption that each team will score a touchdown, let alone one team. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go 18-3. Oh, whoa, barn burner. <laughs> uh just because then that would hit the over. Yeah. Here's the thing. I have to bet the under in this game. I I never bet unders. The only thing that I'll do is sometimes take, uh, if I'm making like a parlay or something, I'll include an alternate over where I tease the line down by like at least seven points. So it's basically betting the under, but Mm -hmm. I'm still cheering for points um, and scores. So, But tonight might be the, the exception to that rule because like what is there to root for? Pat Fryermuth. All right. I got your back, Kev. There we go. Book it. 0 and 15. 0 15 in fantasy football says Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth's overs, receptions, yardage, anytime touchdown score? Question mark. I I tell you what, if if he could get a dozen fantasy points tonight, I would be over the moon. Well, geez, you're asking a lot of uh, of a tight end. That's I I I, I would I, I might try and look this up, have it for fantasy because yeah. the tight ends have been a huge topic of discussion all year outside of your big producers. There haven't, uh, yeah. there haven't, like the consistency has not been there. Like, what is the average scoring from a starting tight end? Because 
any given week a tight end can go off, but are they actually in people's lineups or are they just these random guys going off? Because even like Travis Kelsey, the he's, past few weeks well, has been no screaming hell. Do you right? know why? <laughs> he's he's in love. He's in love. Yeah. Friday, I'm in love. The best tight end in the last month or six weeks has been Trey McBride. Yeah, he he's looking great down there. I mean, Sam Laporta, obviously a great ah, story out of Detroit. Okay. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson still gets his uh, his own fair share of uh, targets and receptions in Minnesota. I'm gonna check so. McBride's stats compared to those guys in the last month. We'll check that. Yeah, we'll dig into that. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap things up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Is that Swifty? No. Oh. That's uh, that's Marin Morris. Too bad. We don't, we've never had a Taylor Swift. I just thought because we were talking about the love affair, Kelsey and Swift. That, that would have fit for sure. And how his game has dropped off. It's dropped off. He's in love. I know. That's what I told you. This question, and we're gonna we touched on this before we went to break. Uh, some comparisons between Trey McBride and Sam Laporta, kind of the two um, up and coming tight ends uh, mm-hmm. that have had great seasons so far. But the Travis Kelsey thing, I have heard and read, and I can't speak to the actual validity or, or credibility of the people that are saying these things. Like, do you think Travis Kelsey is a strong, or not a strong, but a, a possibility to maybe not after this season, but even like another year retiring? Yes. Without question, do you know why? Because not because not nothing to do with Swifty. No, no, but like he has already made a large foray yep. into the media game with his uh, podcast with his brother, uh, movies, the, the movie, entertainment, all that anything. jazz. Yep. Yeah, that kind of seems and like you he, can't you can't do that if you play for too long and you take that one bad hit that all of a sudden now you're dealing with um, CTE and, and things. I'll, I'll tell you one reason, another reason, and I'll just say one word and to put it in that category that would be a similar comparison, Duke. Gronk. Same scenario. Gronk goes, I'm one. I've done enough. I'm going to just take it easy now. I'm going to go on the set. I'm going to travel. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Gronk's almost as a mere... uh, uh, a totally 100% comparable situation to what Kelsey will be if that's what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. When O.J. Simpson retired, <laughs> I mean, like I said, obviously his post-career um, troubles with the law, all okay. that aside for a second, like he, he was one of, if not the best running back in the NFL. I mean, he was averaged like 150 yards mm-hmm. a game. Did When he retired, was he still... Close to the top of his like, did I, he did he retire quote unquote early? I wouldn't say he would be Barry Sanders ish. No, but but that's, he was I think, in there. I think Barry's in a class yeah. of his own. He so. was in there. Now I would rank I would rank Jim Brown ahead of that because Jim Brown retired at the top of his game and a young young man. But there's another comparable there. Jim Brown goes into acting. Yes. He goes into everything else. Uh, decides that he doesn't want to be getting pumped every day on the football field. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with you in the, in the sense that if Kelsey says, you know what, I've, I've, I've got my two rings, I've, I got Swifty, I got everything, let's just uh, does, pack Does the, the factor of like legacy and the potential to be considered the best tight end of all time play a role if you yes. play, like, play for a, a long career? And I mean, I... I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't think he'd have to play for uh, for much longer to uh, you know 
all of a sudden creep to the top of a lot of these rankings when it comes to tight ends for uh, yardages, touchdowns, etc. I know him and Mahomes have already records for combinations between quarterbacks and tight ends, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I'm like in terms of all time, like where is he at behind guys like uh, He's Gates? Well and- over five thousand back. Oh really? Yeah. Hey? Um, Tony Gonzalez is fifteen thousand. Shannon Sharp is number five at 10,000. Kelsey's at four. So he's 4,000 back, sorry. 4,000 back. And, I mean, it's kind of after this season. If, you, if you'd if you told me at the start of the season that Kelsey had to play five more years at just mm-hmm. under 1,000 yards per season, that would be very feasible, yep. I think. But this year, like, he just he doesn't really look like the same guy, at least in the back, like, the last – month or so maybe i guess let's just say he gets 400 more yards this year is that fair sure okay so that would put him at 11,400 that would put him in solid fourth that puts him 400 yards behind antonio gates he would have to play at least two three more years to catch jason witten yeah who's at number two and then obviously tony gonzalez is the class at 15 do you think Jason Witten gets enough credit as one of the best tight ends? Probably of all, or not. Is, is it just because, like, and once again, this kind of predates his peak, predates my um, yeah. real dive into football. Like, was he yes. not a very good blocker? No, he was a great player. He did it all. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Because I like my first um, association with him was when I first like what got me into NFL was playing Madden mm-hmm. on the PlayStation. Um, and, uh, like the, my creative player was drafted to the court of the Cowboys and yeah. I was throwing the ball, the Des Bryant and Jason Witten. I was like, these guys are awesome. They catch everything. And yes, it's a video game, but there are, uh, some parallels to real life. Of course, they don't get those ratings without, uh, proving it on the field first. Just, I mean, no, he was a, he was a, he was your prototypical tight end that you wanted on your team. I mean, he was on America's team, you, you know, again, 13,000 yards and again the link the length the longevity of yeah, his career that, that that is the one thing yeah. that I think in football above all else really speaks volumes about your quality as a player because football player there's so many available whether it be off the practice roster coming out of college college each year and usually cheaper than uh, than these veteran guys in terms of what you have to pay them and up against the salary cap so when players can stick around as long as some of these guys have that they're valuable enough to keep paying mm-hmm. and keep on the roster and performing at a level high enough to justify keeping on the roster. I, I think that the, the longevity argument in football is probably better yeah. when it comes to comparing all-time greats than maybe any other sport. Just got confirmed, a little bit of a sidetrack. We will have Scott Milanovic on our show next Monday at 1020. Yes, we were hoping for yep. tomorrow with Eddie, but uh, Brad, we just got the text from our executive yes. producer, Brad Slater. Uh, Scott uh, Scotty M is going to be at his daughter's graduation at Auburn. Tomorrow. Which is pretty cool oh. for him. Uh, obviously just announced, uh, promoted to head coach I, 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 of the Ticats. Um, so yeah, looking forward to have, uh, having Scott on at the start of next week. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, we were looking for tomorrow, but we got him on Monday. So that's going to be exciting. And, um, I can't, uh, I'm, I'm going to feel for you tonight, Duke, if you're at the CBH and things aren't going well, I'll look for your first post on social media where it says, what am I doing here? Yeah, it's not been the pre- fact that, but you it's love been it pretty, being there. It's but. been pretty common that uh, at least once a week on Thursday Night Football, I, I tweet, this game stinks or what is wrong with this last week i i it was kind of the flip side i, t- I tweeted out saying is this what a good thursday night football game mm-hmm. looks like because it was awesome it was a great game um so i'm hoping that 
by against all odds and chances <laughs> that tonight's uh, match can somehow stack up. I don't need it to be a 30 to 35 game. That's unrealistic. Just entertain me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see a punt fest. I watched Iowa play Michigan last Saturday night. I don't need to see that again. Wasn't that a neat angle that Will Graves said that the fact that they just painted the end yeah. zones bright yellow? <laughs> That's funny. And what could you imagine if no one even, you know, there's no paint on the shoes? or Nobody even gets um, in the red zone. Like the routes aren't even getting into the end zone. <laughs> what was the last game where I can't remember? The, was it C.D. Lamb that had his jersey was just paint? I can't remember. I saw some guy in the sidelines after. You know, he he had two or three catches in the end zone. He was, you know, diving and just dirty and whatever. So, uh, wouldn't that? Be, I I would love to see just yellow on Pat Fryermuth's jersey. There you tonight. go, covered in it. We need it. We need it. First win of the year for global warming. Thanks to all our guests today that came on on a Thursday. Uh, the low down with low tides coming up at twelve. But Ellen Mitchell uh, was our guest at seven twenty. Frank Saravalli. And Mark Spector switching trading places. Uh, also, uh, George Offman, tell me a story I don't know podcast. Check that out. There's, oh man, there's a lot of stories. And Will Graves from the AP covers the Pittsburgh Steelers. Plus, our co host every Thursday, Ladislav Schmee. Tomorrow, we will have Eddie Steele in studio, as he always is, uh, seven and nine on Fridays. Coming up at the top of the hour at 11 o'clock, it is Fantasy Frenzy with. Former Roshep Tebert. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn. Brandon Douglas at 12 o'clock. Again, the uh, lowdown with Alan Mitchell. Jason Greger takes us home 2 to 6. And uh, check out uh, all the great month of giving packages. A couple more yesterday. He'll have another great one today from, I believe, the Glendale Golf and Country Club. So uh, check that out if you can. Uh, once again, top of the hour. It is Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, here is the Duke of Delburn with a Sports 1440 update. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning.